It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. He is one of my all-time favorite people. And not just because his abs look like something chiseled out of marble or because he's among the most talented and charming blokes I know. What I love about Hugh Jackman is that he is 1,000% so fully himself and so fully present in everything that he does. He is, of course, the main mutant behind the nearly $2 billion X-Men franchise. But much more than an action hero, Hugh is a master showman. He sings, he dances, and Forbes magazine called him the most powerful actor in Hollywood. In 2013, Hugh starred alongside Viola Davis, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Terrence Howard in an intense crime thriller called Prisoners. But first and foremost, Hugh is a husband, a father, and an all-around good guy who recently co-founded a small chain of coffee shops for charity here in Manhattan. On next chapter... Hugh Jackman and I get lost in conversation on a rainy day in his newly adopted New York City. We tucked ourselves into a quiet little booth at the swanky monkey bar. I gotta say, Hugh was on the Oprah show many times back in the day, but we've never had a chat quite this personal. Okay, first question to you. I have to know, (laughs) are these photoshopped? No, I wish. In fact... When I looked at it, I was like, why didn't I just eat pizza, drink beer, and ask for photoshopping? Surely you can do that. I mean, I feel like I can, like, climb them. (laughs) (laughs) That is more than a... Somebody showed me this, and I go, that can't be real. And that's going to be... I go, I'm going to ask him if that's real. I have to tell you, I did a a scene playing Wolverine. And I was in the scene standing in front of a mirror. Yeah. I had shirt off. In fact, everything was off. But the mirror was... Placed yes. perfectly, couldn't see anything. So, and as I'm standing there in between scenes, I thought to myself, I will never, ever look like this again. <laughs> Hugh Jackman catapulted to international stardom in 2000 in the first of the wildly popular X-Men movies. He plays Wolverine, a powerful animal-like mutant best known for his giant metal claws. Now, more than a decade since that first film, Hugh is playing his iconic character for the sixth time in The Wolverine. 
Looking like the Wolverine is a full-time job. Hugh works out nearly three hours a day. Imagine that. Eating every two hours. Imagine that. At six foot two, he can bench press over 300 pounds. Imagine that. And once, leg press a thousand pounds. You have this amazing ability. You can just do magic with your body. Is that... Yeah, I've always been fascinated by the physical aspect of acting. You know, when I was taught acting, we did 10 hours of movement classes a week, not just dance, but how to use your body. And that obviously a lot of actors concentrate on the voice and your emotions, yeah. but your body is a great way to communicate. So I sort of do thrill in whatever the challenges of that physically. And for someone like Les Mis, for example, mm -hmm. uh, Tom Hooper said to me, I want you to be unrecognisable at the beginning of the movie, and then and we have were. to see you 18 years later. And I, I just loved the challenge of that. My wife thinks I'm a little masochistic. She thinks that well, I, I secretly think, love well, it. Well, Deb, I agree with you. <laughs> do you secret? Because I read um, someplace that you secretly love working out. Do you? Well, well more and more I like it. I l I've liked it more in the last year. I have a trainer whose philosophy is not, I'm not going to kill you every time. I'm going to make it so you want to do it. Well, so I'd like to meet that trainer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, to, you know, sometimes you train it so yeah. hard yeah. that you just dread going. Okay. And I haven't trained like that. And actually, the results have been better. So are you, are you training for Wolverine? Did you do three hours a day? Three. Three hours a day. So two hours in the morning and about 45 minutes in the afternoon. Okay, and what yeah, were you eating? It's very time consuming. What do you, is this where you get to eat everything? You have to eat 6,000 yeah. calories a day? Yes. I read that in Hollywood yes. Reporter. This is the, I, I literally rang Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I okay. I said, man, I've seen you in some movies. I said, what's going on? What do, what do I do? And he's, he went through the diet and it was 6,000 calories, eating every two hours, but which basically, like this, unfortunately, right? no. No, you're not eating <laughs> that. You're It'd not... be easy to get 6,000 of these. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's one nachos and a pizza, yeah. but... <laughs> No, it's a meal would look like two chicken breasts, steamed broccoli, so it's still beans, lean stuff. and maybe some carbs. But yeah. as you get down to those kind of shots, yeah. that's when it becomes very scientific. That's when you go slightly less on no carbs. I even do a thing called water dehydration, which is... Which you did for Les Mis, did you not? Yeah, Yeah, for too. the opening scene? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of gets a little obsessive. I, I probably... I'm someone who likes routine and discipline, weirdly. I kind of revel when I've got a, a, a structure. So Wolverine is about bulking up and... Yeah. Uh, it's really, for me, yes, bulking up, but leanness. Leanness. Because he's, the whole it's thing about his character is half... cake people, yeah. Unfortunately, it's yeah. half... He's half animal, half human. That's the struggle. And it's what's great about the character because don't we all have that daily battle, the chaotic versus the control, the animal versus the human, that, that idea that part of us just wants to be free and we do what we want and then, but we live in a civilised society. So it's that dichotomy that he embodies fully. When you first committed to do Wolverine, yeah. I read that that's the one thing that Deb had asked <laughs> you not to do. <laughs> there was a, a Did you do it for the money? Did you do it for the money at first? For the audition. For the audition? I, I was on theatre. I mean, how many film auditions came up? It was like <laughs> three every year. I'm like, hell, I would have done Police Academy 11, you know, whatever. You know, yeah. I was, and I'd never heard of X-Men. It meant nothing to me. They did a worldwide search, and I got three pages. And I remember Deb reading it. She goes, uh, Wolverine senses danger. His nostrils flare and snicked. And she, I said, what? And she goes, snicked, S-N-I-K-T. Claws come out of his hands. And she said, oh, shit, you can't do this. 
said, this is ridiculous. She said, you're the Royal National Theatre. You can't be having claws come out of your hands. She said, you're on your own. So I, uh, when I... Hello. <laughs> it is the only time she's ever been wrong in our 18 years together. Wow. <laughs> then she'll admit. And she now admits. Yeah. Wolverine's been good to you. It's been great in every way. The last time we were together was we had that accident yes. in there. I can't believe that's the last time we were together. It's that far a, too long. That was far too long. We were in Australia for a big down under season 25 extravaganza. Jackman, come on down! To fit the go big or go home theme, Hugh was to zip line from atop the Sydney Opera House. And then this happened. Hugh crashed head first into a bank of lights. Are you okay? I came in a little hot there, I think. <laughs> We need to stop a second. You, you hurt his eye. Paramedics rushed in, and within minutes, it was headline news around the world. In the end, Hugh walked away with minor stitches. Moments after that happened, when I realized that you were actually going to be okay, I thought, this was Wolverine. It would have healed instantly. <laughs> <laughs> instantly. Yeah, no. How long did it take you to heal after that? Uh, 10 days, two weeks, something oh like that. God. Yeah. That actually. I remember getting the stitches. It was one of those things because it was very close to my eyes. So they put a mask over your face with just the slit for your eyes. So it's literally like a horror movie. The only thing you see coming towards you is that needle, like right at your eye. But it was. Uh, were you worried? I was so worried. I was so worried. You know. Yeah, I was and worried. the very first thing you were worried. I was worried because, you know, you know you're hurt, but you, and I could see blood, and at that point whether it's 10 out of 10 or 5 out of 10, you don't know the difference. I yes. thought my face could be open, my head could be off, I, I could be about to collapse. I actually thought <laughs> oh I'd broken my, my leg. So, and I didn't turn around because for the, one of the first times ever, my son wanted to come to one of these events. I'd never take him, but he loves you, right? And he remembers you going down and reading a book to him. Yes. And he goes, oh, I like Oprah. Baby, baby. He's not a star, famous yeah. person. He doesn't like any of it. He goes, I want to go and see Oprah. And I was like, well, there's just 6,000 people there. <laughs> he goes, no, I want to come. So he was sitting there in the front seat. That's what I remember most about that mm. moment. That's when I knew that the heart of you mm. is really a father because you wouldn't turn around. You said, I don't want to turn around because I don't know how bad it is because my son is there because yeah. you didn't want your son to see you in that. Yeah. <laughs> and he turned to Deb. And he was crying. Yes, crying. he was so upset. upset. He turned yeah. to Deb and he said, why can't we just be a normal family? Why can't we just be normal? Why does my dad have to why, hit the wall? Why does he, can't he just walk on? Does he really have to? <laughs> yeah, have to do it. That's what I said to the producers after. What was wrong with the walk? It was Hugh Jackman. He could have uh, just walked on. You know, yeah. what was funny, I thought at the time, this is such a brilliant idea, because as I come in, they're going to have to have shots of the harbour and it's yeah. going to be beautiful. Of course, the moment I got there, I realised there were 29 helicopters the entire time taking yeah. photos yeah. of the whole harbour. So, anyway. Hugh Jackman is one of the biggest stars on the planet. A brilliant, multi-talented entertainer who seems to do it all. The dashing Aussie romanced Meg Ryan in Kate and Leopold and Nicole Kidman in Australia. He is a Tony winner who's also hosted the Tonys and he scored rave reviews when he hosted the Oscars in 2009. In 2013, Hugh received his first Oscar nomination with his dazzling performance in Les Miserables. I've always really adored you, but I knew after the interview that we did with you and Nicole for Australia, 
I knew that you were going to be big, 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 big. Did you feel that? Did you feel that thing that happens, your star rising, that thing rising? Did you feel that? I don't that? know if I can articulate it that clearly. My, like, it's funny you say that because Deb says the same thing. Yeah. Well, she said it to me when we first met. She could feel it. She knew it. She, she knew said, it. I know what's going to happen. She goes, this scares me, you know, but I know this is what's going to happen. That's but when you all were doing that, that soap opera, the... Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my first job, and yeah. she was the star of it. In 1995, fresh out of drama school, Hugh was cast as a violent inmate in the Australian TV prison drama, Corelli. It was a life-changing role. That's because Hugh's future wife, Deborah Lee Furness, played his on-screen love interest. Corelli only lasted 10 episodes, but Hugh was on his way, soon starring in Oklahoma at London's prestigious National Theatre. Was it the, the dream to be an actor or was it to be a big movie star? Oh, no. Yeah. It was uh, my dream. I probably achieved when I was 28. Really? When I was at the Royal National Theatre. Yes. Starring in Oklahoma and I was in the dressing room that Ian Brilliant. McKellen had yeah. just been in and I was there with all those greats. There is a photograph of me, age 21, like this, outside the National Theatre. That was, uh, to me, the greatest actors at the time that yeah. were, and I'd been to England a lot, was Judi Dench and Ben Kingsley, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, you know, um, Alan all Bates, of them are great. You know, Suchet, yeah. all these yeah. actors. And I thought, Royal Shakespeare Company, Royal National cool. Theatre, this is the epitome. So when I was, I remember walking home from work one day, I was like, Oh, this, this was my dream. What's next? You know, and we'll, we'll just see. 28, know. washed up. What am I going to do? <laughs> 28. I remember waking you know. up 28. I was in uh, Baltimore and having a big cry because I thought I'd always done things, sort of been like a prodigy. And at 21, I was this yeah. and this and the, And I was thinking, what else is going to happen? I have nothing. Same really? thing. When did your show start? My show started when I was 32. Really? Yeah, but at 28 in, in Baltimore, I thought, well, what else, what else am I going to do? I'm so like, is that when you moved? I moved. Oh, That's wow. when I moved. That's when I stepped up. Did it scare you? You know what? It really didn't scare me, Hugh, because I knew that, you know, my life has always been, because I think everybody's life has sort of a pattern yes. and a flow, and yes. mine has always been when I'm done learning and growing all as much as I can grow in whatever area, I move to the next thing. When I've done as much as I can do there, I move to the next thing. I'm talking about you, though, because okay. we're talking about you. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success 
when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. In 2012, you played Jean Valjean, an imprisoned peasant turned aristocrat, in the Oscar-nominated film adaptation of Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. To get the gaunt look of the starving prisoner, Hugh went 36 hours without drinking any fluids. Would you say that Jean Valjean was a turning point? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. I think, um, weirdly for me, I mean, you know me well, Wolverine is not who I would immediately yeah. cast me as. Right. Luckily for me, it was the first job I did. Because say I'd done The Boy From Oz or Caden Leopold, yeah. I would never have been seen for it, you know, yeah. if I'd been known for something else. But we in the became known for that. And I always knew, whether it be theatre or music or other things that I could play, I, I, I felt confident there's many other things I could do. But actually, Jean Valjean is probably the first thing outside, one of the first things that has really reached that kind of audience like an X-Men does. Yeah. Les Mis, a Broadway staple, was a challenging project to bring to the big screen, in no small part because Oscar-winning director Tom Hooper insisted all songs be sung live during filming. Tell me about the process. Tell me about, sure. you wanted it, right? You I wanted, wanted it, it. Yeah. you wanted bad. It's a, that's a frightening thing. Yeah. Because I probably protect myself by going, well, you know, we'll see what happens. You yeah, know, if absolutely, I, absolutely. Hey, we'll go along if something happens. So I auditioned early in the process, early. I, I was the first person to audition and uh, it What did was, you do for audition? What did you have to do? I sang for three hours. <gasps> so I sang all the material. You sang all the material? Yeah, but that was about 20 minutes. So we did, I did an hour with the musical director first and, and it was a funny story because I had a warm-up at my singing teacher and my wheels had been stolen off my bicycle. So I literally ran with the frame of my bike down New York streets because I thought I was going to be late for this audition that I've been stalking him up the steps, holding the yeah. frame of my bike. That's funny. That is funny. Beljean, I'll be with you in a second. Sweating. Terrible, you know. Uh, and June. It was horrible. It was, and, and so we went up. And I sang for an hour. Tom came in, and Tom was very English. He was very polite, very charming. Just sat back in the chair, leg over, hands on his lap, and listened. And I sang for 20 minutes. And uh, true to form, as I know that he really gave nothing out. I really had no idea, although I was fairly happy with how it had gone. And then he said, OK, let's get to work. And he brought the chair up, and he sat it like here, like we are. And he said, now, what I've just watched is probably an audition for a stage show. He says, but I'm going to be here for six months of your life. I'm going to be filming everything here. So we have to work all these songs so that you're not worried about the back row. You're just worried about me. Yeah. And I have to feel everything. You've yeah. got to let us come into you. When I uh, auditioned for Colour Purple, I never wanted anything more in my life than I wanted to be in the mm -hmm. Colour Purple and won't and since then have never let myself want anything that much because the feeling of putting mm. yourself out there yeah. and with the possibility of yeah. being rejected. Well, you know, my wife and I talked about this recently because yeah. 
you were a triumph in it, right? It was a success. Yeah. Like, uh, Les yeah. Mirs, uh, it was a success. success. If you fail in those key moments, what happens to your spirit? Like, it can yes. dent you for yes. years. Yes, for years. And if you have two or three piled up, maybe a marriage, a work thing, it can be, oh, people break, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's... It's, it's uh, putting yourself out there. Yeah. But you put yourself out there because you knew that you could rise to that moment. In 2000, Hugh and his wife, Deb, adopted their first child, Oscar. Five years later, they adopted Ava. This is what's exciting, is that you get to play Wolverine, mm. and now Oscar is old enough to watch some of them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what does he think of that? He thinks they're cool. He, that's as far as he's gone. <laughs> it's pretty cool, Dad. Pretty cool, Dad. Although, just this morning, um, the father of a, of a mate that he drives to school with, who yeah. was there, just said to me, oh, Oscar's in the back telling my son Nick, who's Nick is a huge comic book fan, mm -hmm. non-stop about the movie, about all the scenes he'd seen. He goes, this one's going to be really cool. This is the best one of them all, and la, 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 la. Now, he's never really talked to me that much about it. Really? And he was on set with me a lot, and he really loved the process of watching it. But it's a weird thing. I presume it's got a lot to do with the public-private nature of our life and that he doesn't want me to be famous. He doesn't want me to be an actor. He, does, he wants me to be his dad, you know? In 2009, Hugh and his family moved from Sydney, Australia to New York City. Much to the delight of the paparazzi, they are often photographed around town, walking to school, buzzing through the streets on their scooters. Cameras are even there when Hugh hits the gym. It's interesting to me the way you seem to balance it. I mean, in Sydney, that felt like Hugh Jackman, but now New York feels like your kind of town. And you are seen and yeah. photographed and you're on your scooter and you're out yeah. with the kids and you're not one of those guys who's hiding from the paparazzi no. at all. I think if, if, if I chose a life, professional life, or in any way, that would mean that I couldn't just go out with my kids. I would never forgive myself. I, I've, in, in a way, forced the situation where I'm going to live my life. If you're going to take photos, take photos. They're not going to be sensational, you know. You might get a photo of me on my scooter with my kids. You can get a little bit of money for it, but not that much. I'm yeah. not going to be out dating this person, that person, getting drunk here and yeah. swearing, giving you the middle finger. I say, I'm just going to live a normal life and as much as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always been our approach. And we've managed pretty much to be able to do that. So how have you been affected by the rising sense of fame? Because, I mean, you're even more famous than the last time we met in, in Sydney. I mean, you got nominated for an Oscar. What yeah. did you think? I was blown away. I was literally, I found out, I was walking onto set. That's when all of a sudden I feel like the little kid from Sydney, from uh, Warunga yeah. in Sydney. Yeah. He used to watch the Oscars with his dad and I used to get so excited because my dad worked for Price Waterhouse as an accountant and those three daggy, you know, nerdy sort of accountants would come on and I'd get so excited. Dad, they're from Price Waterhouse. <laughs> One dad's going to be you. You know. And I, that, I immediately You're go back to that kid. You're the only family in the world watching to see Price <laughs> yeah, Waterhouse. Know, right. We used to stand and cheer. Price Waterhouse! <laughs> so that, it immediately reverted me back to a kid. And actually, it's one of those rare moments where you stop and take stock and go. And it's a weird moment of whatever happens in our business, it can't be taken away from you. And it feels right. really great. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes.
And, and also, you use so much of your relationship, not just relationship, but your, the character of your own father for yeah. Valjean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it hit me weirdly late in the piece that my father is very similar to Valjean. What I loved about Valjean is he's a deeply religious man, my father, but very quietly religious. Like, he's never said a bad word about anybody. He's very, you know, various times in my life, my brothers and sisters all go through their bits mm. of not liking, and not liking Dad or whatever, and he's never been back, oh, I'm your father, I did all this for you. He just takes it on, like, the weight, the weight of the world. Uh, Didn't you ask shoulders. him at one point, was he religious or how he demonstrated his religion? And yeah. he said he didn't talk about it much. He I thought it was best to live it. We used to go to church and they were handing out these fishes, yeah. bad, fish badges. And uh, they encouraged everyone to put them on. They yeah. said, as a witness into the world, this says I'm a Christian. And if yeah. people want to talk about it. And I said to Dad, I said, why aren't you wearing it? Why don't you wear one? And he said, I've always believed that actions speak louder than words. So unless your actions show that you're a Christian, it means nothing. And, you know, you just said he'd never said a harsh word about anybody. And mm. he certainly had an opportunity to when your mom left when you were eight years old. And he yeah. was a dad who had to go off to work at Price Waterhouse yeah. every day yeah. and take care of five kids. Yeah. He could have been pretty bitter about that. Yeah, and it must have been really tempting at times yeah. to just say. But he never said anything bad about your Ever. mom, even? Never. Never, really? Never. He wouldn't hear it, either. If there was anything, wow. he wouldn't hear it. That is amazing. Yeah. That your mom left. Yeah. And people say to me... And he did not say, I can't believe no. she left me with all your... He never, never... No, but he, that's part of... Sometimes I don't think that's a good thing. Dad kept a lot of his emotions yeah. inside. He just kept it within, you know, but he would never burden us with it. That's, that speaks to the character right. of him. Hugh was raised in Sydney, Australia. The youngest of five children, when he was eight years old, his mom, who he says battled depression, left the family and returned to her native England. You know, what's interesting, too, I read, and it just, when I read that, where you remember the morning she left. Mm. Can you describe that? Uh, it, in every way, it, the film of it runs like a normal day. Uh, she had a towel in her hair and around her and she said goodbye and there was a weird kind of log jam at the door where it was three or four, I don't remember who, but three or four of us saying goodbye. So we were lining up and I remember thinking, oh, it's just taking longer. Come on, I've got to go to school. And it was obviously mum saying goodbye. But I never, before I left, I didn't think, oh, something's up. It just, I can remember that now of her saying goodbye as we went to school and then when we came back. And that there was something deeper in that goodbye. Yeah, yeah. right. I don't think she thought she was going to leave for good then. I'm, I'm positive, actually. I think she thought this was something going on with Dad and her and her mother was sick in England, so I'm going to go back and see my mom. And I think they thought they'd work it out. Yeah. I don't think they thought, you know, 30 that years later, 30 years <laughs> that later. would be it. But, yeah. But when I got home, I knew, I knew that Mum had left. How did you know? I just... I just had a funny feeling in the house. In fact, from that moment on, I could never go. I was terrified to go into the house. I was always first home, right? Mum would be there. Mm -hmm. So from that moment for about four or five years, walking into the house, I used to sit out in the garden because inside the house was terrifying to me of the dark and being on my own until my brother came home or sister came home. So mm -hmm. there was something in that moment I knew and I remember we were all waiting for Mum and no one knew what was going on. And I remember saying... Uh, 
to my dad, she's gone to England. I know she's gone to England. He got really mad with me. And then he found a, a note or telegram, and then he pulled this all together. So us. how long after that time where she'd said goodbye at the door, was it before you actually saw her again? It was around a year or under a year. Within a year, she came back. Uh -huh. And then came back every year. Mm -hmm. And it was, I always remember being very uncomfortable. Uh, Dad was sleeping on the couch. And mm -hmm. you know, I was eight when Mum left. So I knew a, a lot, but there's a lot I didn't know. So one year we went on a vacation together, all of us. It was obviously some kind of reconciliation mm -hmm. that didn't work out. But so, you know, they did try to get it back together. Yeah. And now you have a good relationship with your mother. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You forgave her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Mum will talk openly. She would, she wouldn't mind me talking about it because yeah. we've aired everything. Yeah. She had very severe postnatal depression after I was born. Mm -hmm. That played into it, and I think sometimes life gets too much for people. Mm -hmm. It's too much. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. You know what I admire so much about you, and we were just talking about you on the way over here. Well, you're one of my favorite people on earth. You too. Yeah. Thank one you. of my favorite people on earth. But I was saying to the producer, the reason I admire you so much is because you live right in the center of yourself, and you seem to live right in the center of life. You, you seem to have mastered that really well. Was that a conscious thing? Deb's helped me a lot with that. Really. The within myself, I, yeah. I think, is something I always was drawn to in terms of wh who am I? Why? Yeah. What? Yeah, but what you what? see is really, really. Cause yeah, but that's yeah. the work, isn't it? I just want to be. What you the see real is me. really who you are. You just really are the real you all yeah. the time. I have a job where I pretend to be other people, but I have to do it from a knowledge of who I am. I found this interesting. When you started filming Les Mis, that you actually went to our friend, our mutual yes. friend, Tony Robbins, yep. of all people, yep. to help you. Had he been a friend before? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I said, mate, I know we're friends, but I said, I really want to talk to you about something uh, about me. But <laughs> I professionally. love that, mate. Mate, mate, I know we're friends, mate. Go ahead. And I chatted with him, and I said, I hate it 
when sometimes the fear gets in the way. I hate that feeling of fear. I hate being afraid. I was a very fearful kid. I was afraid of the dark, I was afraid of heights. I froze rock climbing, you know, and my friends went, I hated that idea. And I made myself get over those fears. Yeah. Right? And now I'm no longer. But if anything comes up to me, and I know you relate to this, if I feel frightened of it, I have to attack it. I have to go in. Because I'm terrified that yeah. it will creep into other areas of my life and just start to take over. So, so what were you afraid of? Not being in my best. Not being For, in my best when it mattered. For Valjean. For Valjean. I mean, it's happened before. Yeah. But basically, he said, you cannot get rid of those nerves or the You can't get rid of them. And they appear for a reason. Because maybe you need to do more work. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not ready. Yeah. That fear drives you. You said, without that fear, you would not be here today. I know you have this theory, too. I saw you in Actor Studio, which I thought that was a beautiful interview. Oh, the way you were talking about, we are always, and I think that this is not just for actors, but in life, you're either improving or growing yeah. or decaying. Yeah, I mean, it's the cycle of nature. I mean, we are, we are governed by the laws of nature, all of us, relationships, life, death, and, and it's never stagnant. And stagnant is a horrible thing anyway in nature. We, the idea that marriage is to stay the same is not true. You're either getting closer and you're more intimate and more honest, more caring, more loving, or less. Hugh was just 26 years old when he met Deborah Lee Furness, an established actress with more than 20 films on her resume. She and Hugh were married a year later and recently celebrated their 17th wedding anniversary. When you're saying that life, marriage in particular, mirrors nature, would you say that your work and your ascension into stardom has brought you closer together, has Mm. grown you? As a couple? Mm -hmm. I, I think definitely. And I say that with some... A little bit of reservation. I don't think Deb would mind me telling you, of all people, but it can be difficult at times because, as she'll, she'll call it, the chopped liver syndrome sometimes. Yeah. And it can be, oh, there's Hugh Jackman and yeah, that yeah. person. I've literally seen her knocked away. You know, people try yeah. to push her aside. And yeah. as you know Deb, Deb is way more vivacious, gregarious, outgoing. She's like you. She holds the rooms by nature. So it's... Difficult. That's what attracted you to her. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she's just. You were the guy in the background and she was the spark. Yeah. 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 And I have become infinitely more confident, infinitely, I think, braver and uh, more within myself from being with Deb. I've learned a lot from Deb. She trusts herself implicitly. She is fearless about everything she does in life. She doesn't care what other people think. It is a compulsion for her to act from her heart. So how has it been for her to watch you da-da-da and sort of she sort of... Generally, amazing. I think she's been amazing. And, and it was a choice. And that's where, I suppose, nature has helped. Like yeah. for Deb, when I met her, Deb had done 25 films. It was my first job. Yeah. She was like, I've done that. I've been at awards things and I've won the awards and I've gone back to my hotel room with my award and gone, I'm really lonely, and what's all this about? Mm-hmm. She wanted a family and a husband and children, and she didn't want to miss that. Mm-hmm. And we had children, and she's been with them, and it's been amazing. Would you say <laughs> you're in the... You know dharma, the word dharma, right? Yes. Yeah. The, it yeah. means your soul's the, calling, yes. you're living in the heart of it. Would you say that you're living your dharma? You, 
Yeah. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Are you there? I definitely feel family-wise, always felt that, and work-wise, that that I'm in the right place for me. Whatever I'm meant to learn or contribute or be part of, that I'm in the right place. So now I've just got to keep watching the signposts, make sure that I'm staying awake, you know? Don't miss anything. You know Fully I mean? aware. Fully aware. Yeah. And sometimes harder to do when things are going well. Easier to just to cruise. Feeling good. Everything's yeah. good. And then all of a sudden you're not growing anymore and your life can contract. So how do you make sure that doesn't happen to you? What do you do? You, you marry a woman like Deborah Lee. Yeah. <laughs> you meditate, you have children, yeah. and you, uh, you show up and stay awake and enjoy. I think I can get serious. I can get a little serious sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Deb's really helped me just to enjoy. And, uh, but, but the children, too. I mean, I, you know, since, since your children, I, you yeah. became a different person with your children. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's... I mean, it opened you evolved. up in ways, yeah. And you learn so much, you know? Yeah. Patience, not to be too judgmental, to be softer in the middle, but, but give them a good structure on the outside. I'm more forgiving of myself, like I'm more forgiving and understanding of them. And also the fragility. I, I, I see in both my kids, you know, both are adopted, and I, I see sometimes fragility, so you have to be awake and listening, loving and caring for them in a very present way. And what's most important to you? What really matters? Right now, just being here. And whether it's with you or with my kids, with my wife, really living life. Mm. So. Watching you live your life the way you do makes me want to live mine on a higher vibration. Come That's on. what it is. Yes, it does. <laughs> That's what you do for me. I love you. I appreciate Mr. the Jack. best. Thank you. Can I eat the bread now? <laughs> Can we eat the bread no. now? That was fantastic. More champagne. No, no wine. 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 That no, was this a good is... wine. Yeah. You two are having far too much fun. No, we... did, did you hear us at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Join us, join us, join us, join us. Shall I open this now? Yeah, just... just... I'm sitting in Oprah's lighting. <laughs> That's what you I'm want. I'm not selling. <laughs> That's what you want. You That's are at the so top beautiful. of my list. The top of my list. You don't have to open this now. You just open it at home and enjoy it. You're sweet. Trust yeah. me, I'm going yeah. to. This yeah. is going to be at the end of this movie. At the end of this movie. When I will never look like this ever again. Uh, <laughs> it's a good, this is we'll where it's starting. pictures all over the house. Yeah. So you remember. <laughs> so, Deb, tell me this. I mean, really. Those are... The, these... Uh, he, he told me that this was not retouched. He looks so like get... he's photoshopped in the flesh. I, say, I know. I say it's ridiculous. You look photoshopped. So you No one is more disciplined, though. He works really hard at it, and it is no fun for the family. Because we, he, 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 we can never go out to eat. It's like he's always having a, yep. another cow or a chicken or a broccoli. Yeah. I was talking to him, though, about when he was on and did Australia, how I could feel that star rising, and he said, you also had felt that. And I said you felt it right at the beginning, too. I think women have an, an intuition anyway. Yeah. And, I mean, even when we got together, I, there were so many things that we talked about. You know, I just knew that they were going to happen. Oh, you know what I want to tell you? I love when you surprised him at the Tony Awards. Oh. Was I was terrified. Were you terrified? <laughs> yes. In a rare public appearance, Deb surprised Hugh by presenting an award at the Tonys, honoring his Broadway and humanitarian work. How did you do that? Well, they Cause... rang me and they asked me, and I knew when they said, they said, look, you, this would mean a lot to Hugh, and would you do it at the Tonys? And straight away I was like, Whoa! and like, because I don't like doing the public speaking, I was like, 
Oh my God, what a choice. It was like Sophie's choice because I knew he'd love it. I knew I had to do it. It was the worst of keeping a be, secret. And I'm terrible at terrible. secrets. So I just thought, I have to do this. So yeah, I. It's amazing. And I love And so when I worked out, I was nervous, but I didn't even think about anything else. All I was looking at was his face because I wanted to see when he looked up and saw that I Because when did you did think it. she'd gone to the bathroom? The bathroom. Yeah. And I, I never so thought twice. And I remember thinking, because they told me when my award was, I said, yeah, it's 12 minutes away. And then all of a sudden they said, oh, now a special Tony Award presentation. I'm like, now, Deb. Deb. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe it. But I, I thought it was my fault because I said, no, you got time, Deb. And I, like, when I walked out, I didn't think of anyone else. I just looked at his face and he was like, oh, my God. Was, but it was yeah, fun. That was great. Yeah. Thanks this for stopping so by. Oh, are you kidding? Pleasure. 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 Thank Love you. Love you guys. Love you guys. You are the best. Should we lean in? Us guys. Oh my God, these abs! <laughs> Jeez! Oh my God, Dad! What in the world? Jesus! It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Can I just feel. Okay, six months from now. <laughs> Six months from now, we say if they're there. No. <laughs> oh my God, that is real. Absolutely real. <laughs> the abs are real. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa, where I, your host and astrologer, Issa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.